0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the New Books in East Asian Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Li Chen, one of the hosts of the channel. Today, we will be talking about queer Taiwanese literature, a reader. This book was edited by Howard Zhang and published by Cambria Press in 2021. This anthology provides a deeper understanding of queer literary history in Taiwan. It includes a selection of short stories, previously untranslated, written by Taiwanese authors dating from 1975 to 2020. Readers are introduced to a wide range of themes such as bisexuality, aging, mobility, diaspora, AIDS, indigeneity, recreational drug use, transgender identity, surrogacy, and many others. The diversity of literary tropes and styles canvassed in this book reflects the profusion of gender and sexual configurations that has marked Taiwan's complex history for the past half century. Queer Taiwanese literature, a reader, is a timely and important resource for readers interested in Taiwan studies, queer literature, and global cultural studies. Today, we are delighted to have the editor Dr. Hawo Zhang, here with us. Howard, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: So, uh, Howard, I was wondering, can you begin the interview by telling us a little bit about yourself and also your research interest?
1: Sure, I'll be happy to. Um, I'm a historian who teaches in the history department at UC Davis. My main areas of research include the history and cultural studies of modern China and the Sinophone world, uh, with an emphasis on the critical study of gender, sexuality, science, and medicine. Since 2019, uh, I've served as the chair of the Society of Sinophone Studies. Um, to date, I have written two monographs. The first is called After Unix: Science, Medicine, and the Transformation of Sex in Modern China. This was published by Columbia University Press in 2018. The second book came out last year, also with Columbia, and it's called Transtopia in the Sinophone Pacific. At UC Davis, I offer courses in modern Chinese history, the history of science, the history of gender and sexuality, and theoretical approaches to global sexualities. I have a long-standing interest in the study of queer Taiwanese history and culture. In that spirit, uh, I co-edited a volume called Perverse Taiwan with Wang Ying. Uh, This was published by Rulich in 2016. Um, That volume actually provides a very useful reference on some of the new and exciting work done in the field of queer Taiwan studies. In fact, I would say that I think the book offers some context for this reader that we'll be talking about today on queer Taiwanese literature.
0: Thank you, Howard, for sharing those of your research project and also uh, how this kind of contextual how this book contextualize in this kind of trajectory of your research. So I would like to know that how do you start this project and particularly about Taiwan queer literature?
1: Yes. So the project uh, is the result of a collaboration. Uh, between the National Museum of Taiwan Literature, Taiwan Guan, and CAMBRIA, the publisher of the book. Um, back in February 2020, I believe, um, I was approached by Nikki Lin, a professor of Taiwanese literature at the National Taiwan Normal University, Da, about editing this reader. And this is part of a larger ongoing project commissioned by the museum to promote Taiwanese literature in the U.S. through translation. So the project is called 推动台湾文学进入美国编译出版计划 Okay, so it's part of that literature, sorry, part of that project. And in that year, they decided to feature a book on LGBTQ-themed literature. The idea was to select a representative sample of short stories. I think I was told about five to eight uh, within a given word limit. And I was given about a year to oversee uh, the translation, to edit the manuscript, communicate with the authors and translators, uh, write the introduction and finalize the uh, translations. The book was indeed published uh, published in 2021 but I would say that um, it was basically impossible without the generous support from Professor Lin's team at Shida and Taiwan Guan.
0: Thank you, Howard. And um, the, it's amazing to know that the process and also editing of this amazing anthology is around one year. That's really fast um, trajectories, and um, this is also a very important resource for Taiwan studies and also uh, queer literature across different uh, cultural and linguistic contexts as well.
1: Yeah, it and, was very challenging. Uh, sorry. It was very challenging, but also very fun
0: yeah i mean i can imagine i mean only in one year and then uh in this anthology there's uh seven uh, short stories so uh really um i guess you guys are really efficient um to uh, in this uh, time framework but produce this amazing and important uh, anthology and uh you mentioned in your uh introduction about this book about this anthology is best understood as an extension of the legacies of queer activism and also cultural enterprises in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. So uh, before we uh, uh, go into the um, story itself, I would like to uh, talk about the context for this uh, little production for this book. Um, Howard, can you tell us a little bit about the LGBTQ activism in Taiwan?
1: Yes. So, you know, I, as a historian, um, I have always been very interested in thinking about the historical context for why things happen, uh, for how a problem became a problem, and uh, how strategies for activism took shape. Um, As you may know, Taiwan is one of the few Asian states uh, known for actively promoting the rights of its lesbian, gay, Bisexual, transgender, and queer citizens. Um, in two, uh, 2003, Taiwan became the first country in the xenophon world to hold an official annual gay pride. And 16 years later in 2019, uh, it became the first in the world's largest and most populated continent, Asia, to legalize same-sex marriage. And I re- believe it remains the only Asian country to do so. Um, I would say that the roots of these, you know, 21st century breakthroughs really can be traced to the post-World War II era, when we began to see radical changes in gender and sexual configurations in society. And these transformations culminated in the 1990s, when a militant and vibrant Tongzhi activist movement began to take off. Now, just a quick word on the word tongzhi itself, it literally means comrade or common will in socialist China. But um, gay and lesbian activists in xenophone regions, such as Hong Kong and Taiwan, uh, began to use tongzhi to refer to queer subjects in the late 20th century. I mean, I talk about um, the post-colonial queerization of trans and queerness in late 20th century Taiwan in the books, Transtopia. But you know, uh, for sake of convenience, we can start to think about the complex dynamic behind how um, the idea of queerness and Tongzhu came to be associated with one another in this uh, rapidly changing context of late 20th century Sinophone um, Pacific. So much of the political energies behind this social movement in the late 19th century, sorry, late 20th century um, was agitated by a crucial turning point in Taiwan's recent history. I'm referring to the lifting of martial law in 1987 because this lifting of martial law ended the hegemony of the Nationalist Party on the island, Kuomintang on the island. It also catalyzed the democratization of Taiwanese society in an unprecedented exponential way. Great. I think we're li- you know the legacy of that is something that we're still living with t- today very much so especially you know if we're talking about queer Taiwanese movement. Now one of the uh, most famous struggles uh, for LGBTQ equality um, occurred in the mid-1990s, specifically 1995 um, Lesbian and gay groups at that point lobbied against the Taipei city, Taipei city government's plan to subject Xin Gong Yuan New Park. To urban replanning, and by the way, the park is a historical cruising site for gay men, so it has special meaning, right? Um, so, from December nineteen ninety five to June nineteen ninety six, uh, gay and lesbian groups came to um, organize a front, what was known as the Tongzhi Spatial Action Front, and the front coordinated um, a series of demonstrations and cultural events. It rendered the new park as both a rallying cry but also a very important site for Tongzhi memorialization. Okay, even though the government ultimately uh, decided to redesignate the park as the 228 Peace Memorial Park in 1998, so this is to uh, linking back to the February 28th incident, the Tongzhi front made it clear that we're seeing a new form of cultural citizenship taking shape that is grounded in queer desire. And in the years leading up to 2000, uh, we also saw um, the growing of Tongzhi groups in civil society, including various uh, religious groups on university campuses uh, and most importantly, uh, non-government organizations, such as the Tongzhi Hotline Association, um, Rexian, Uh, which is the first of its kind, registered with the Ministry of the Interior in 2008 and has its operating base in Taipei. So I would suggest that, you know, these are some of the historical developments uh, from the late 20th century to early 20th century that establishes the context of Tongzhi uh, activism in Taiwan.
0: Thank you for this. Um, very clear, a very important overview of the LGBTQ activism in Taiwan, especially you highlighted uh, Taiwan as the uh, pioneer to promote, but also recognize the LGBTQ group and also their rights as well. And then you mentioned different, uh, and also very important historical mark, the end of martial law, and also from the 1990s, these, uh, uh, cooperation, and also the emerging voices from the campus and also from civilian organizations and later on become social activism. So um, with that background uh, in the social cultural aspect, now let's move on to the cultural production and also literary writings. So uh, what is the uh, Taiwan's queer cultural production and literature look like?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I think um, given what I had just said about, right, the historical context for queer activism, um, you know, in moving on to talk about literature and cultural production too, I, I think, I mean, I want to make the quick point that I think they are interrelated, right? It's it basically, it doesn't make sense to think about, uh, well, what I was saying is that it doesn't make sense to think about queer activism uh sorry, think about Taiwan history without queer activism. And similarly here, I think uh, the point I'm trying to make is that it doesn't really make a lot of sense to think about queer literature without queer activism and vice versa. So um, in addition to social activism, uh, the 1990s really witnessed the flowering of queer cultural and literary production. Um, there's some examples here that I can point to. In 1994, uh, students at the National Taiwan University formed Taiwan's first ever mm-hmm. Lesbian Society, uh, the Lambda Society. And um, in this context, uh, academic queer theory, remember academic queer theory kind of um, uh, in a very um, loose way, it kind of originated from Western academia in the late 1980s, especially in North America, late 1980s and early 1990s. So very quickly it spread to Taiwan and queer theory suddenly became a very hot subject across uh, college campuses. Um, We also have uh, the first edition of the earliest queer magazines, uh, such as G&L and Together. They were released in 1996 and 1998, respectively. So what we're seeing here is that there was a thriving queer-themed academic and publishing culture that came to characterize much of the 1990s. So, in that context, increasingly, um, a generation of Tongji authors wrote popular novels and short fictions. Right? And these include Chiu Miao Jing, Cao Lijuan, Zhu Tianxin, Zhu Tianwen, Wu Jiwen, Ling, Ji Dawei, Xu Yoshen, Chen Xue, Dong Qi Zhang, Lai Xiangying, Li Ang, and many others. The kind of output of these Tongzi authors um, came to consolidate a subgenre of Chinese literature known as Tongzi literature or Tongzi文学. In fact, you know, my friend, uh, cultural studies scholar, friend Martin has noted, uh, it seemed at times that not a literary competition went by without at least one prize being awarded to a Tongzi short story, novella, or novel. Um, you know, that's a very interesting phenomenon that a lot of the Tang Tzu literature produced at that point in time, um, won a lot of prestigious literary prices. So in sum, the 1990s was a very fermentative moment for queer Taiwanese literature.
0: Yes, and then totally agree with you that it's interrelated. Right, we are talking about the social activism, and now we're talking about the literature, about cultural production. But these are the uh, different dimensions, but they are interrelated. And then, um, as you mentioned, start together more and more uh, momentum from the 1990s. And um, so, with that uh, background, and um, how about the uh, stories included in this book? So there are seven stories, and can you tell us a little bit about how you select the stories to be included in this anthology?
1: This was indeed, I would say, perhaps the most uh, challenging, but also exciting part of the project. Uh, Because as you can imagine, there's always a tension right, between uh, generalization and specificity. And by that, I mean, you know, for this project to introduce LGBTQ stories to Anglophone readers, it's not easy, right? To try to stage the most representative themes in Taiwan's queer experience. But at the same time, also speaking to the diversity of such an experience. Um, everyone, straight or queer, has a different life story to tell. So what I decided to do is to try my best to showcase the exciting diversity that has come to characterize uh, Queer Taiwan itself. Now, in the beginning of the selection process, I went back to the landmark anthology, Angel Wings, a contemporary queer fiction from Taiwan. This was uh, edited and translated by Fred Martin in 2003. And a lot of times I actually think about uh, this reader, Queer Taiwanese reader, as a companion to that anthology. Uh, that collection actually included 10 stories uh, written in the 1990s by those whom we may consider today as you know trailblazers of queer fictional writing. So in thinking about how to enrich English translation, translations of uh, queer Taiwanese fiction, I spoke to a few eminent colleagues, including Fran, but also Ari Henrik, uh, Ji Dawei, and Sang Zilan, just to get some recommendations from them and get a sense of what they think um, the state of Kiritan's literature is like today. And in the end, I picked stories that I think reflect both generational and topical death, right? So not only do the seven stories uh, we collected in the book spend five decades from 1975 to 2020, but they also deal with various dimensions of sexual experience. You know, these dimensions bear a relationship to the category of gay and lesbian or tongzhi in neither a very protein nor an exclusive way, right? So we're really thinking about how complicated and diverse queer experiences are, and that when we start to stretch our chronology from the 1970s to 2020, we're seeing how they actually overlap, but also um, diverge in important ways. So in this sense, the diversity of the themes uh, represented in the book highlight how erotic desire intersects with other forms of cultural transgression. So for example, readers uh, will encounter the themes of bisexuality, asexuality, aging, uh, HIV AIDS, The question of indigeneity, recreational drug use, transgenderism, queer friendship, kinship, and assisted reproductive technology. So there's a wide variety of uh, themes uh, represented in the short stories collected in the book. Uh, Since we're on this topic, I'll just add a footnote here to say very quickly that there was one story um, called Zhang Wei by Gu Sen that I had to let go, uh, simply because we couldn't secure the necessary copyrights for translating and republishing that piece. Gu actually passed away in 1995 at the young age of 41. And Zhang Wei was hugely popular in the 1980s and 1990s. Uh, it's about a gay man pursuing his American dream and, you know, try to live like a homonormative gay man in the U.S. So I thought that has a really strong diasporic um You know, connection that I was hoping to feature in this book, but in the end, we didn't, we 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 weren't able to include it.
0: Thank you, Howard, for sharing, and I hope maybe these stories could be included in other anthology or maybe the uh, other efforts uh, for the uh, Taiwan of queer literature. And I particularly appreciate you highlighted this uh, uh, the focus on diversity and also the intersection, uh, the diversity for generation and also uh, for the different uh, experiences, but how these experiences intersect with other life dimensions. So I think this is a very important um, um, dimension for us to see and especially represented by the stories uh, provided in this anthology. So uh, now we're talking about diversity, and um, I guess this uh, will uh, lead us to actually look closely to the stories itself, and then um, so uh, thinking about the diversity, and also thinking about uh, intersection intersectionality. And I was wondering, can you uh, tell us? more about the story Muakai and especially how the story and also the indigenous experience and also other dimension in
1: that short story. Yes, so um, I would say that Muakai by Dada Lafan uh is an exceptional story collected in the book. I was very happy to be able to include that. Um, by the way, it was translated by Carl uh, Schoenick who is a lecturer of Chinese studies at Queen Mary University of London. Um, and he actually has written about Bao in his PhD dissertation. So he was kind of the perfect uh, translator for that story. Um, I, I say that it's exceptional because, you know, most of what we call queer Taiwanese literature today is predominantly focused on Han Taiwanese writings. But in contrast, the story Muakai actually provides, I think, a rare perspective from the indigenous experience. The author Yibao is an ethnically Paiwan woman of Taiwanese nationality and she, her career has been focused on the promotion and education of Paiwan culture and tradition. In this story Muakai, it narrates a female college student um, how her perceives of a Paiwan lesbian Muakai who adopts Xiu, xiu as her Han Chinese name when living in Taipei. And so the story kind of explores, right, these tropes of gender transgression and homoeroticism through the differentiations between Han cosmopolitanism and uh, Paiwan indigeneity. So I think this is a very distinct theme. Now, I'll just say uh, very quickly three more themes I think that distinguish uh, this story. It has to do with narratology, uh, language, and Paiwaneseness. So in terms of narrativity, uh, we see elements of like mythical time and the Taiwan storytelling tradition being built into the narrative of Muakai. And this complicates the otherwise linear trajectory of standard short fiction works. Such narrative strategies actually reflect a multiple and competing set of epistemologies rather than Thinking about a singular narrative of a modern identity formation, that was like a big thing, right, in gay and lesbian studies for a long time. Um, and relatedly, right, so since we're talking about the distinctiveness of uh, ethnicity, but also indigeneity, language uh, also featured prominently here to, as a vector of differentiations between Han and Taiwan uh, culture. For example, the story actually features many moments of linguistic. Uh, confusion, or we may even say awkwardness, right? The uh, protagonist used the word, sorry, the phrase, girl, girl girlfriends, which might make sense in Taiwanese culture, but kind of becomes really ambiguous in the Han Chinese register. So the story also uses language to highlight how kind of varying positions of queer indigenous subjects layer on top of one another and how they index one another. So this leads nicely to the last point is about Taiwaneseness, um, because in the conclusion of the story, it has Muakai telling the protagonist the narrator that her name is actually taken from the mythical figure Muakai, who she thinks has always loved women, had this women same sex loving desire, and I think that this very interestingly right subverts contemporary Taiwan social expectations in a way that aligns with contemporary queer values. Again, this just offers another kind of vector of how um, the Han and Pai distinction gets complicated or uh, how we can queer these uh, distinctions.
0: Yeah, this is uh, for sure a very fascinating story. And then especially as you highlighted, uh, this is uh, one of the uh, great stories that highlights Indigenous experience and also this kind of encounter with language and also encounter with the other, the different ethnic communities and other different uh, dimensions. So with this story, and then now we are moving on to the second story, I would like to highlight a story that actually Howard you yourself co-translated. This is a story called Violet. So Howard, can you tell us more about the short story?
1: Absolutely. So um, the Mandarin Chinese characters is Hua uh, for Violet. And I decided to translate into Violet um, for a host of reasons. But I thought that, you know, I could have added the word uh, flower in the translation, sorry, in the title, but I decided Violet was the most elegant uh, simplest way of uh, doing, going about it. And "Zihua" Hua is written uh, by Xu Yuchen, which is another, you know, exceptional writer um, and another important story collected in this reader. Um, you know, Zhu Hua is actually taken from Xu Yuchen's uh, short story collection with the same title, also called Violet. Now, um, in this part of uh, this reader that I edited, um, I was moving uh, toward um, the idea that I want to feature um, the writing of young, talented, and up-and-coming authors. So in addition to uh, Xu Yuchen, the other author whose work is also featured in the book is Bing Yuxian. Um Both of their work, I think, diversifies the meaning of tongzhi. And as such, I think it can be viewed as a response to two things, right? It's a, re- it's a reaction to one, um, the golden decade of queer literary production at the close of 20th century that we discussed earlier. But I think more importantly, two, it's a reaction to what was then considered as kind of like the most representative themes and tenets of tongji experience both Xu Chen and Li Yuxuan seek to address the subjectivities of individuals who have been kind of hidden from the mainstream queer representations. I'm referring specifically to recreational drug users and transgender people. I think you know incorporating these topics into Tongju literature uh, might seem at first kind of like a nominal gesture of inclusion, but in fact, uh, The bringing out of these figures from the shadow of the Tongzhi movement, I believe, suggests a more fundamental politics of redistribution, right? Because not only does it show that we're seeing new kinds of legible desire and how they get interlaced with Tongzhi subjecthood, but their attention to drugs and transness also continues to pose challenging questions about fictional depiction, right? So what is the form and legitimacy that a fictional depiction can take? And this is especially important and especially urgent question in light of the ongoing real life struggles on the ground. Um, For example, the legal battle for rights, inclusion and equality. So in this sense, I would say that, you know, both stories, Zihua and Ni Ming, they imagine a universe in which alternative modes of belonging are not stigmatized, but respected. I should add that you know I was very interested in Xu's piece, in part because I'm a scholar of the medical humanities, and I've been uh, very concerned over the years about how recreational drug users have often been ostracized in society, um, and in Taiwanese society in particular. You know, so from the beginning, I wanted to be involved in the translation of the story, uh, which I thought you know was a meaningful task. Um, But midway through the translation process, I became uh, preoccupied with overseeing the entire translation project. As you said, we only have one year (laughs) to contact the authors and translators, translators, and make sure that everything goes smoothly. So midway through, I just couldn't be uh, diverted from the larger editorial responsibility, um, so I approached Xu Shengqi, the translator of Lin Youxuan's story, New uh, Nüer y- y- to co-translate the piece uh, with me. So that's how you know I became well. That's how this piece became co-translated rather than just translated by myself alone. I'll, I've always been very interested in the topic. It was actually quite difficult, I would say. Perhaps I considered most. One of the more uh, challenging pieces to translate from this collection, um, just because you know the um, the narrative and the text is often very very abstract. You know, in Violet, the tone of the narrative is very uh, meditative um, and philosophical. It was often very difficult to tell, you know, if the protagonist. Is describing what was going on in real life or his uh, fantastical journey under the influence of substance. Um, So, you know, because you're dealing with that um, ambiguous demarcation, um, how you enter the narrative or what you get out of it, I think it does make a larger philosophical statement about the state of things. So this whole notion of entrance, actually, if you read the uh, story closely, it anchors both the introduction but also the exit of the story. Because this idea of the entrance, uh, I think it issues a philosophical commentary on the changing dynamics of Chinese society. right? So gay or straight, the narrator seems to suggest that we must not be too complacent about our um, seemingly successful uh, achievement, uh, including, you know, specifically in the context of our discussion here, um, some of the well-known hard-won accomplishments of the queer movement. Um, I think, you know, if you're looking at the queer movement from the viewpoint of a recreational drug user, um, the bottom line is that despite the momentum gains, right, there are still many blanks to be filled including, right, the overcoming of social stigma that is often attached to the still marginalized populations, such as substance users. So I do think that the story actually makes a larger, kind of broader, philosophical commentary on that particular issue.
0: Yeah, totally agree with you. Uh, This uh, complicated but also very captivating uh, stories and to unpack the different uh, dimensional experiences, as you mentioned, the recreational drug use and also uh, the transgender uh, identity, so on and so forth. And um, to uh, think about these different experiences, there is a story in the collection that is about surrogacy and also assisted reproductive technology. This is a story titled "A Non-Existent Thing." Howard, can you tell us more about
1: this story? Sure. Um, so this story uh, "无有之物" by Chen Xue, um, "A Non-Existent Thing," came out in 2020, and um, I included this short story in the book um, to showcase. Uh, Chen Xue's ongoing engagement with the changing landscape of queer life in Taiwan. You know, as you may know, Chen rose to fame in that golden decade of Tong Wen Xue that we discussed in the beginning of this interview. Um, And she remains a very well-known queer author in Taiwan. The story um, particularly addresses um, the issue of lesbian surrogacy, uh, assisted uh, reproductive technology, and by extension, um, excuse me, the new meanings of family and kinship that are taking shape in post-millennial uh, society. You know, it's about a group of lesbian friends uh, finding ways to, um, to have kids uh, and uh, talking about the various kind of material, but also emotional um, uh, obstacles uh, but also ways of uh, resolving those obstacles uh, through their journey. And so it's also, I think, an uh, important commentary on uh, queer friendship, lesbian friendship. Um, I think that the milestone event, right, that this story, a non-existent thing responds to, is actually the legalization of same-sex marriage in 2019. You know, the story came out in 2020. So, I mean you know, fascinatingly, right, there's something very direct, uh, practical, and political about the story. I would say that in this sense, um, Chen xues A Non-Existent Thing uh, neatly follows a genealogy of Tongzhi literature in which queer writing and civic duty are closely linked. We have seen that, you know, over and over again um, in the history of Taiwan's queer cultural production. And this is kind of uh, another instance of that, um, and also, I, 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 you know, in editing this reader, um, I wanted to feature the work of some of the, uh, you know, most well-known uh, queer authors in Taiwan, including uh, Chen Xue, but also Ji Dawei as well, right? Um, and this was a very um, coincidental piece, but also I thought a very timely piece that would allow us to, you know. This is the last piece, by the way, in the uh, reader that will allow us to kind of close the book um, with delivering a message about why queer writing and queer cultural production always has a certain sense of contemporary salience and that political path uh, always allows for a certain kind of creative moments of encounter in the story you know the lesbian friends they talk about creative ways of going about any kind of other kind of obstacles so i thought this was a very timely place uh t- timely piece with which uh we can use to close this anthology
0: yeah this is uh the uh, last stories in the anthology and as you mentioned this kind of recon conceptualization for the family and or what kinship means and also this uh, response to what happened after legalization of the same-sex marriage uh, in Taiwan. And um, so we introduced three uh, fascinating uh, stories. And um, so uh, Howard, before we wrap up, do you uh, have any uh, final notes or anything you would like to add about the stories or, uh, any things you like to let our listeners uh, know?
1: Um, yeah, sure. Just a quick note to say that I think um, you know some of the other stories that we haven't had a chance to talk about. I think um, they some of them are actually really classic. Um, I was very happy that we were able to translate, for example, Liang's uh, Late Spring or Cao Lijuan's uh, On Her Gray Hair, etc. and Ji Dao's Howl, um, because they have been such classics in the field of queer literature, but haven't had a chance to be translated into English before. So it was really um, a great pleasure and opportunity to translate those stories. And I was actually, like I said earlier, very happy to be able to also translate um, Yuxian's A Daughter, too, because I think transgender themes uh, have been underrepresented in queer Chinese literature, but uh, we are seeing increasing um, uh, representation, but also visibility of trans rights issues today in Taiwan. So I'm just really happy that as a whole, the book does, um, you know, canvas a wide range of Themes And taken together, I would say that, you know, the stories that we discussed, uh, but also stories we didn't discuss <laughs> collected in this reader, um, I do think that they show that gender and sexual diversity is not uh, incidental to a vibrant branch of Chinese literature, but actually sits at its very center. So, I mean, if a potential reader actually um, get a sense that that's his case, I feel like my, you know, my goal has been accomplished, <laughs> so to speak.
0: Yeah, I mean, Howard, uh, I want to take a moment to thank you uh, for this great work to editing and overseeing all the uh, translations, but also take the time to thank all the translators and uh, to produce this uh, amazing collections of translation to our Anglophone readers and also, uh, you know, to uh, uh allowed uh, the Taiwan queer literature across linguistic borders.
1: Yeah, it's really the fruit of labor of all the translators more than anything else. So uh, I want to give them an um, enormous thank you for making this possible. Um, yeah, I think that you know even for scholars who uh, don't work on Taiwan per se, uh, they will find many interesting points of intersection Um, And I'm hoping that this book will uh, present an opportunity for not just kind of stage Taiwan's global significance and think about them for us scholars of Taiwan, but also uh, invite scholars um, who do not specialize in Taiwan studies um, to think of connection, to explore potential connections and why these conversations have always been and global, and why Taiwan has always been part of that global dialogue.
0: Yeah, definitely agree with you. And to think about uh, Taiwan itself, but also Taiwan in network, right? So thinking about the intersectionality in terms of the different themes and different contexts, and thinking about, you know, this book, and also the queer Taiwanese literature can be a Um, useful and can be uh, related in other research contexts. And then for the different scholars, communities that um, might not be uh, particularly interested in Taiwan studies, but are interested in the themes and in the topics that we cover today. And then so Taiwan studies or this book, the Queer Taiwanese Literature, could be you know, part of the comparative studies could be the reference, could be the case studies, or it could be a part of the course reading uh, in their own uh, research and teaching context. So again, thank you, Howard, for this amazing work and um, for translation. And especially these are previously uh, untranslated. So it's the first time that, you know, they are able to be read by people, uh, outside of the uh, Sinophon uh, readers.
1: Yeah, and I'll just add, you know, in addition to the scholarly community, um, uh, I think readers who are not scholars or students, um, I'm sure uh, they will also find uh, immense pleasure from reading the stories themselves. They're actually very pleasurable to read.
0: Yeah, of course. And then, um, so uh, this is... Uh, for uh, every uh, readers, whether they are from research context, or maybe they are in school, studying in class, or they are just interested in literature, and they would like to pick it up. Yes, you know, just curious, want to know what is the uh, queer literary production in Taiwan. So definitely agree with you that this book uh, can connect with so many different readers, general readers or scholars, and then can be uh, useful in many different contexts.
1: Yes, that is my hope too.
0: All right. Um, So uh, with that, now we are moving to the last part of our interview that is a traditional final question. So Howard, I was wondering, can you share with us what you are working on right now or what your next project will be?
1: So I'm currently working on the history of psychoanalysis in the canophone Pacific. Um, I'm I have this book under contract with Columbia University Press that is tentatively called Mind Hunters. And in this book, I talk about how xenophone experts came to fashion a new style of science, what I call transcultural reasoning, something that you know came to redefine. The grounds of mental health research in the 20th century. You know, nowadays it's actually impossible to talk about mental health issues without taking into account um, their broader cultural context. And the book shows that um, analytically oriented experts made significant contributions to this development across the Sinophone Pacific. So that's the first project. Um, I'm also developing a new project that scrutinizes trans-narrative practices uh, with case studies from modern Chinese and Sanabon culture. So I'm thinking about trans-narrativity through the lenses of archival politics, uh, police and legal regulations, global historiography, and medical and environmental ethics. And this project is tentatively called Transtopia Unlimited. All right so
0: that sounds amazing projects and then uh, also very exciting about you know you're continuing this uh trajectory of research that uh connecting to different contexts and also design of context and also various different themes and topics so uh thank you howard Um, today for uh, joining us on the show and I really enjoy our conversation and I believe our listeners uh, is also learning a lot from this book as well
1: thank you thank you for your time
0: I want to thank you our listeners for uh, staying with us till the end of the interview so I hope everybody taking good care and then stay safe see you next time goodbye